to episode 10 of Everything EOS. I'm Zach Gall, an ICO data analyst at ICO Alert, the trusted ICO discovery platform. Visit icoalert.com, the most complete calendar of all active and upcoming ICOs to discover the latest projects and opportunities like EOS IO. And I'm here today with the founder of ICO Alert and CEO of Cypherglass, Rob Finch. Thank you all so much for joining us for this 10th episode of Everything EOS. It's crazy that we've already been through 10 different episodes. I uh, just wanted to say to everybody that we sincerely appreciate all of the feedback and comments that we get about the show. And we hope you continue to share your thoughts and opinions on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you may be listening. It helps us know what you want us to talk about and helps us know that you're still enjoying the show. On today's podcast, we will be detailing the latest news and announcements around EOSIO, including the current state of the mainnet launch and what to expect after the 15% of votes are staked and tokens become transferable. Now, before we get started, I do need to mention that this is not a sponsored podcast and that Zach and I, as full disclosure, do own EOS tokens. We're just two people that are incredibly excited about this new technology, and we want to share it with everybody else. Um, this is not to be treated as legal, financial, tax, professional, or any other kind of advice. Like I said, just two people that are very passionate about this and uh, discussing it. So go out there, do your own research, and go EOS. All right. We're in the process of a big week here uh, with the EOSIO mainnet launch. So, uh, since since our last episode last week, um, the block producers all got together this past Saturday and they had uh, their daily vote for go or no go on if they were going to um, do the mainnet launch. Um, I, I was watching some of the live stream. I saw the block producers on the call. You want to you want to talk about how that went, Rob? Yeah. So it was one of our go or no go calls, like Zach said, where basically all the different block producers who pledged to launch one single EOS mainnet and sort of eliminate the risk of all these different forks popping up. Um, we had a final call that was basically okay. You know, we fixed all of the major security bugs that, that people had found, that people found in the bug bounty or, you know, found on their own. Um, and after those bugs had been fixed, we all sort of agreed, yes, it's time to launch the mainnet. So then what happened was uh, the mainnet was started by an anonymous person um, who's just known as the ABP or the appointed block producer. Could have been a group of people, could have been one person. Uh, nobody knows. It's they, they are anonymous, sort of similar to how, how Bitcoin started, but in a very different way. Um, but they spun up the chain, pushed it live. We all came in, connected to the chain and validated it. And then the ABP resigned and gave up all their controls. So uh, there was a lot of, um, I guess, uncertainty among the community of uh, what exactly happened after uh, after the token freeze. A lot of people wondered why there was this delay. So how, how many votes were there before uh, the VPs all unanimously voted to go? Because there, were, there was a couple of times where it was a no-go vote. Yeah, we got very close to hitting the go vote several times. Um, we originally needed, I believe it was 75% of all votes to hit go, and then we had a vote that drop that down to two thirds, to sixty six percent, and we hit fifty five percent. I think was the closest we got. We were about eight percent away, and then finally the next vote, we got everybody to. I, I think pretty much everybody voted go. So was it true that I, I guess some uh, members of the community, some of the more well known ones, were kind of threatening like you guys got to launch this, or we're oh, not going to vote for you as a BP if you keep voting no? Yeah, I mean there was clear community pressure for BPs that were voting no to vote yes, and the the reason why was because a lot of the BPs, not all of them, but a lot of them who were voting no-go couldn't justify why. And then it led us to speculate, oh, maybe they're not ready. Maybe their infrastructure is not ready. They're waiting for something. You know, all we have 80 other BPs ready to go. Why are you still voting no? So I think that the pressure was real and they, they voted yes. Now, now, you don't have to mention who was voting the no-go, but are they in the top 21 currently? Uh, let me check. I don't believe so. Um, 
No, it doesn't look like it. Yeah, so that's interesting. So I, I guess everyone thought, okay, now the mainnet's launched, the confusion should be over, right? Right. But then uh, the real the realism of reaching this fifteen percent vote. Yeah, and to explain that, if you're not familiar, um, basically fifteen percent of all tokens, so 150 million tokens on the EOS blockchain, have to be voted towards one or more block producers, the people that are running the network, in order for the chain to unlock and allow you to transfer tokens. So that's what we're going through now, and we've actually made a lot of progress. I think we're at. Uh, what's our, our current count? Looks like 111 and a half million tokens. So we're about 75% of the way there to hitting this unlock and, and actually pushing the chain. It, it's, it's been a bit of a slow start, though. So yeah. um, I, I think 9 a.m. Eastern time on Sunday was when the, the mainnet launched. Yep. Um, so so the process after launch was the the mainnet's launched. All all the servers are running, but. Tokens aren't transferable, right? So you you could see your token balance. You know how many tokens you have, but you can't really do anything with them until fifteen uh, percent of them are staked into voting. And whenever this first happened, there was a lot of confusion because um, there, there's still a lot of friction involved with, with uh, learning how to vote. Uh, I had to help some people here at the ICO Alert office vote, um, even though the t I think the tutorials are pretty clear. Cypherglass, you guys put out a video or something? Yeah, we put out a video. Unfortunately, the scatter version. I guess people are having trouble. With scatter and it's not really working, but the, the tokenika method, which is the second method in that video, is really the safest that we've used. It's what I use to vote, um, and it allows you to vote completely offline so that you're you're not risking somebody stealing your keys. Yeah, so I think one, one of the issues was just friction and, and people uh, not not wanting to learn how to do it because right. they thought it would be super easy. They realized that there was a couple steps involved, and they're like, I'll just hope someone else votes. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's a problem we have with, with voting in general. Yep. Like, blockchain aside, yeah, aside like just in the world people voting like my vote i'm just a nobody my vote doesn't counter oh i only have this many eos so my vote yeah. doesn't really matter uh but there's probably even a lot of people with a lot of eos whose votes would count but they just want everyone else to do it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a classic example of the bystander effect, where you know somebody falls and breaks their leg outside in a, in a public square, and nobody calls nine one one because everybody expects somebody else to. Very similar. But now we're finally seeing people step up to the plate, big holders and small holders. And one of the things I wanted to convey was that even if you only have five EOS, your vote still does count. I mean, we have thousands and thousands of individual wallets who have small small amounts of EOS voting for us that have made a massive difference in keeping Cypherglass in the top 21. So, I sincerely appreciate even all the small voters out there. Your, your vote does count in the system, um, especially when you know not all 1 billion tokens are being voted. I, I think you should thank someone else, too. So, right before we went live here, <laughs> Rob, Rob came in all happy because Cypherglass has been doing very well in the votes, but uh, this morning they fell out of the top 21 for yep. the first time. They're, I think, at 20 yeah, we had yeah popped down to 23, but then very shortly after that, whether it was thanks to, to this one guy's thread on Reddit, you know, saying, hey, vote for Cypherglass, they should be top 21, we got a massive vote that came our way. I think it was close to 10 million EOS and bumped us back up to 12. So. Yeah, Rob, Rob comes skipping in the door. <laughs> back, back in the top 21, bitches. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say it quite like that, but yeah. No, you didn't. If you're out there and you're listening, we, we do appreciate the vote and uh, we, we take it very seriously. You know, we're out here to, to build a chain that's the, the healthiest chain out there and, and truly listen to the community. So thank you all for your votes. Uh, regardless of size. Yeah, so I, I think we'll probably hit 15% here very, very shortly. We, yep. got, we got off to a slow start. I, I think everyone knew it was a serious issue when, after a couple of days, we were still at like 2 or 3% right. votes. Uh, I, I, I skimmed the block producer Telegram channel a little bit, and th there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of worrying, I would say. Oh, definitely. Uh, uncertainty, I guess. Uh, I think another 
big part of, of what's going to move the vote is um, Bitfinex uh, put something out the other day saying that they gave instructions on how to vote with your tokens that are held on the platform. You want to explain that a little bit? You had a yeah, better so definition than I did. Bitfinex basically came out and said, hey, we have 70 million EOS, which at the time was more than enough to unlock the chain and now obviously still is. It was enough to push it past that 150 million token threshold. And they said, hey, if 15% of all of the EOS token holders on Bitfinex vote yes for us to sort of vote this temporarily and unlock the mainnet and then unvote immediately, um, they were going to actually come in and just vote for the top 30 and then unvote as soon as it unlocked. But it looks like they're they're still pretty far away from hitting that internally. So well, what I don't is this, a top happen. 30 index fund of voting? <laughs> you just vote for the incumbents? <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, I think a lot of people are doing that, unfortunately. But fortunately, on the Bitfinex side, they were going to just vote and then immediately unvote so that they didn't really affect anything. They just wanted to get the unlock. But I honestly think it's cool that that didn't happen. And I think it's awesome to see the community come together and really push us past that 15% mark in a very organic way. I guess one last uh, reason the turnout may have been low was just security. The uncertainty of, yeah. are, are my tokens secure if I, if I vote in this way? Um, a big reason is the lack of a hardware wallet currently. For, for the EOS mainnet. Um, and Rob, at, with Cypherglass, they actually put out a $100,000 bounty. Yeah. Uh, you want to explain the rules of it and yeah. how someone can get involved? They got an email you or something? Yeah, this was something that I mean we've been passionate about for a while and, and thought that there were other people working on it. But when you know the mainnet launched and we didn't see a ledger solution, we didn't see a treasure solution. It was very clear to us, and and I think the community really you know credit to the community in asking us to do something like this. Um, we realized we needed to do something to kind of expedite hardware wallet support. So if you have a ledger nano s or a trezor, we've basically put out this hundred thousand dollar bounty to expedite the development of both of those apps. So. In the very near future, you'll be able to, to store your mainnet EOS tokens and vote from your ledger securely, um, or vote for your, your treasure securely. So well. you're not you're not expecting someone to just start from scratch today. You're expecting teams who are already working on the, these wallet applications, and they, they might be close to production. And this is like kind of dangling a carrot in front of them, saying, "Hurry up!" I think it's a little bit it. of both. I mean, we've seen we have the the email bounty at cipherglass.com where you have to reach out and, and get your participation packet, and we kind of go over the rules with you. And we've had a lot of people reach. Out, including somebody who actually has built an app that was approved on the Ledger App Store. So I think cool. even for the people that have already sort of started building this, they have some competition from these new people who are starting up and maybe have, have already done it once before. So what happens if uh, uh, multiple people come out with the same wallet tools for the, for the same hardware wallets? Are, are they more than one available, or does like Ledger just choose one as the official one? So it will depend on which one Ledger actually chooses. They will win the bounty, and the bounty, the hundred thousand dollars, is split into. Um, basically, two separate bounties. So one for the Trezor and one for the, Le the Ledger Nano S. So if, if you do both, you win the hundred grand. If you do one, you get the fifty. Nice. Uh, so, well, man, you've been you've been doing a lot of stuff with the community. So, what other plans do you have? Like on top of this bounty, like what's next on the roadmap? Because it, it's looking like you're probably in, unless something changes, and it can at any moment. It looks like at least for the first three days of voting, yeah. you're going to be one of the top 21, which, yeah. which means you'll have the, the reliability of the resources coming in to fulfill the promises that you've made already. Oh, absolutely. Uh, as far as like what you want to do to drive this community. Yeah, and it's important to note that the things like the $100,000 bounty are just, that's just coming out of my own money. 
we're not going to, I'm not going to reimburse myself from block rewards. It's not coming from the network. That's just coming from us because we care about this and, and we want a hardware wallet just as much as everybody else. I, I joked with Rob whenever he said, I'm like, come on, Rob, just be honest. You, you're just spending a hundred thousand dollars out of your own money because you want this for yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Any of your funds, you know me too well. Yeah, it's very true. And and it's cool to see that the community want it as well and be able to give that to them and, and also benefit as well by, by getting it. I'm glad you clarified that too, because let's, let's say you drop to number 50 somehow yeah. and, and you're probably not going to have a big block reward. That's fine because it's not coming out of oh, yeah. or anything. It's yeah, and the, the hundred thousand dollar bounty is not contingent upon us being elected. It's just us doing a, a service to the community, whether or not we are elected. But we we sincerely appreciate all the votes we've we've gotten this far. It's it's very so, energizing. There's a lot of other stuff. So we did go no go vote on Saturday, but yep. we also had the first hackathon in Hong Kong. Yeah, and I think this kind of went off everybody's radar just because everybody was so focused yeah. on the launch. Um, so for for those who don't know, um, EOS VC and Block One have been they're sponsoring four global hackathons. The first one was on June 9th and 10th in Hong Kong. Yep. Um, they're bringing in hundreds of developers to these things to all work with the common goal of building decentralized applications. They gave out um, $1.5 million in prizes last weekend, with the top prize being awarded to a, a group building something called ID Pass, which is a product uh, that'll uh, give a validated ID to global citizens with no formal documentation of their identity. Wow. Um, I, I watched their three-minute pitch that they gave to, to, I think, kick off the competition, and it, it was pretty wild. I, I can't really explain it too well. You could look it up yourself, but it involved using a retina scanner to identify yourself <laughs> on the blockchain so that, like, if you're in a third-world country, you might not even have a cell phone or have uh, the means to store your private key, so your private key really is, like, your retina scan. It was pretty wow. crazy, and they gave this use case example of working with, like, the Red Cross and, uh, like, a village in Africa. It was pretty cool. That's fascinating. Yeah, I'd like to see more from all of these teams that worked on the hackathon because all, all I really did was read the summaries of what they're building and they sound interesting, but they're so early that they don't even have really like websites to, to see more of like what their goals are long right. term. Well, I mean, but, most of these, or if not all of the ideas, I guess, really were just created this weekend, right, at the hackathon? Yeah, I, I think with most hackathons, they have rules in place where they don't want you doing stuff ahead of time. Right. Uh, at a lot of hackathons, you have companies or nonprofits like pitching what they need built, and then a group of developers will kind of choose what company or nonprofit they want to work for to give them a head start on building this technology. But with, with these blockchain hackathons, I think they're different, where the teams come in with an idea that they want to create, but they're not supposed to actually have any of the foundations laid or, or developed or coded on it yet. Right, that makes sense. So it's a, it's a little bit different because it's really hard to probably enforce those rules because you already know what you're building going into it, whereas in the traditional hackathons I I've been to. Um, you don't know what project you're going to be on until you get there. Right. Like there's a bunch of companies that that pitch. They they give a pitch, and then the teams of developers decide which ones they want to help. Huh. That's interesting. Uh, so what else? Binance. Binance made a big announcement. Uh, so they announced that they will be supporting uh, at least three of the major airdrops for EOS IO. Uh, that's including IQ tokens, the EOS DAC tokens, and then the Eon tokens. Um, but I don't think Eon or IQ they haven't dropped yet. Right. I know IQ they use the Genesis 
right? Yeah. So I well, IQ has reserved the right to take a new snapshot if they need to. So what, what's interesting about this whole unlock process is that IQ Everpedia said that they were going to airdrop the IQ token by June fifteenth, but because we don't have an unlocked main yet, yet, and it's June fourteenth as we're recording this, um, it's looking like they may actually postpone that and then take a new snapshot. So it's mm. it's possible they either go off a of genesis or take a new. So everyone who dumped their tokens after June second right. <laughs> needs to go back and buy them. Right. Which if anyone did do that, it's turning out to be a very profitable trade right now. Right. Absolutely. With trading around ten bucks. With the way it went, I'm curious to see what happens from the. You know, we never really talk about the market here on the podcast, but I'm very curious to see what happens once this thing is unlocked and people see that it actually does work. Because right now it's technically live. You can vote. We even hit, I think, forty transactions per second just in votes. Even though the thing can do fifteen hundred roughly on a single threaded implementation, but it was it was cool to see that many votes coming in. Where if you had tried to to push that many transactions on Ethereum, it wouldn't have worked. <laughs> well, we, we we all know what CryptoKitties did to yeah. Ethereum, and I think there's a lot more uh, votes coming in than there were transactions on the, yep. the Kitty network. Um, so besides the hackathon, I, I think we mentioned in the last episode, but we'll mention it again because it's worth mentioning that the EOS developer portal is live yep. at developers.eos.io, and they just want to get in touch with people that want to build DApps. Uh, there, there's so much funding available, and, and that's why why we believe in this uh, network so much is because there, there's never been a, a, a team or a community. Okay, now hold on. We just we're just getting. Uh... We're getting confirmation now that the network has been unlocked as we're doing this. Wow. Um, looks like all of the votes went to EOS Canada. They're at 75 million votes. We are still number 12 in the top 21, but the network is officially online. Oh, right. But we had people outside the studio sort of motioning, 15, we hit 15%. I thought they were telling us we had to be done in 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're used to getting kicked out of the room, not actually getting getting good news. But that's wow. so awesome. Just witnessed a historic moment. We actually just produced our first blocks as Cypherglass on the EOS. Congratulations, mainnet, so Rob, man. Thank you. Thank you all to, to everybody out there who came out and voted for us who, you know, listened to the ways that we were trying to support the community, whether through the bounty or making sure the BP stay independent. And we hope you'll continue to vote for us as, as this thing gets rolling. But this is truly just the beginning. Happy birthday, EOS. So, so what happens next? So that's a good point. We were going to talk about what happens next, what happens at this point. Um, first and foremost, the network is now uh, officially online. So people are producing blocks. I can see Bitfinex is producing block right now. We just finished producing blocks a, a couple seconds ago. Um, here we come again, producing six more blocks. But the network is now online. So what this means is there are no longer any restrictions on what you can do with your tokens. You can stake your tokens for bandwidth. You can stake your tokens for voting. You can transfer your tokens. You can make new accounts. You can do all kinds of stuff now on the mainnet. So I think it'll I think it'll take a little bit of time. So if I wanted to send tokens from my EOS wallet to your EOS wallet, that'd be possible. But I'm, I'm guessing the exchanges are going to be a little bit delayed on when they're going to allow deposits and withdrawals again because exactly. they need to test the new wallets that they're using in software and everything. So oh, absolutely. So right now I don't. Think you're going to be able to uh, withdraw tokens off an exchange or send tokens to an exchange? That, that I don't know how long that's going to take, uh, so, but you can do swaps among. Uh, Individual accounts, or yeah. if there's any any dexes that have this implemented yet, which I would I, imagine that exchanges, in order to excuse me, take advantage of these transaction fees, as I think we're going to see the volume just shoot up, both on the buy side and the sell side, mm -hmm. um, as people look for liquidity and as people go, oh wow, it actually launched, let me get in on this thing. Um, I think exchanges 
it's possible they get it open today. If not, I would expect uh, very, very quickly they'll try to get this unlocked. Yeah, I mean, it, it's unfortunate with like the current state of the market. So what I'm expecting is once these tokens are once the wallet, uh, once the, once the withdrawals and deposits are made available on the exchanges, I think we're going to see initially a, a group of token holders. Uh, Liquidating just because they've been holding through through this downturn, yeah, and not necessarily. I don't believe in us, but they might need m the money. It's it's been frozen for longer than they expected, but I think the buy pressure will be high enough that we're not really going to see a dip. It's yeah. just going to be a lot of volume. Oh yeah, I mean we could see. I think the highest volume we've ever seen on EOS was three three and a half billion dollars in a single day, and I would not be surprised if we shatter that volume record as as people I, realize I now that the mainnet is officially live. And what's I want to focus on one amazing thing here. Is that through this 15% unlock, and I think Block One kind of maybe they knew this. Um, it's very hard for a fork to happen because if an, another person wanted to go unlock launch a chain, I don't think they're going to get 15% unlocks. Impossible. Yeah. And unless they altered the Genesis block. Yep. And gave a, a whole. They took over Block Ones. Right. Exactly. <laughs> then they'd at least get to 10. Right. But yeah. It'd be so impossible. Like we talked about how there would be potentially scam chains popping up, and there were a lot of scams that did pop up. But if you did some due diligence, it would be impossible for anyone to. Yeah. Pull this off. Well, and this is amazing. I think that the fact that, as we were talking about earlier, talking about how we were glad, you know, Bifinex didn't come out and just just vote theirs, and that we really did get to this through community support, at least until we hit this this last whale who dumped forty million. Um, I think it's awesome that we were able to come together as a community, you know, not freak out too much, and really launch this chain as a community initiative with no help, um, or at least no direct help from Block One. So this has been amazing. I can't wait to get off this podcast and start uh, scan scanning the news and Reddit's. Because there's a ton of haters and doubters oh, yeah. who are going to be eating their words here soon. I mean, this is a historic moment. Today, June 14th, 2018, is is the birthday of the EOS mainnet. Happy here it is. Happy birthday, EOS. We should all get together and sing <laughs> yeah, a little we bit. Need it. We, need, we need to have a cake. <laughs> oh, absolutely. This is fantastic. Wow. So this, this is kind of throwing off the uh, itinerary here. Um, so I think the last thing I was talking about was just the EOS developer portals live. And now the EOS mainnet is live. Everything's transferable. Yeah. So we need devs to start reaching out to Block One. Um, go to careers.block1.com. There, there's a bunch of jobs available. I don't, I don't think I mentioned this last time, but interestingly enough, I, I was creeping on the Block One uh, LinkedIn just to see really? like, the backgrounds of all of their employees. Yeah. So one, I was surprised by how many employees they have, and I don't know who's remote or who's in Blacksburg, Virginia, but looking at their experience, and we, we, we keep talking about this war chest. Mm -hmm. So they, they brought in that uh, VP of like banking from Australia to be their COO. Right. Like he's highly reputable, highly experienced, but then they have people on their development team and their like, uh, like consulting team. And these are like executive level employees who have like executive level experience and they're just managers at block one. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. So they're like getting the best of the best talent. Oh, absolutely. And, well, and they're, they're, they're going to build this community because there's people who have been wanting to build these dApps and, and they've, they've been limited by the scalability of yeah. the, the other networks available. Well, and I've had a lot of people, either people we worked at, you know, through ICO alert or just other people I know in the community who are dApp developers, maybe they have a dApp on Ethereum or they're looking to build a new dApp. And a lot of people have been reaching out to me saying, Hey, how do you get an introduction to block one? How do I reach out to the VC arm on block one? And it's, it's all very public. That's something I want to make. Yeah. Very that clear. means they probably didn't Google it. <laughs> uh, potentially. I mean, I think people just expect 
because other VCs are kind of very closed off. You can't just email somebody with a pitch and get and they'll get back mm-hmm. to you. But with with block one, if you email, if you have an idea or, or better yet, a, an MVP and a team, and you want funding for something, email VC as in venture capital at block one, and you will get a response. If you're looking for developer support or developer relations, check out that developers.eos.io. But you can also email. Um, I believe it's dev d e v at block one, and they will reach out to you. They will get back to you. Yeah, um, and I mean they want to spend this money. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's not like they're holding back here. They yeah. want to spend this money. Uh, it's meant to build the community. I guess, I guess while we're on the topic of community, you you, you uh, pointed out a pretty interesting qu- quote the other day from Mike Novogratz from his uh, Bloomberg interview. Yeah. Why, why, don't, why don't we play that for everyone real quick? Well, the barriers to start a new, like, new idea have been low, um, but they're getting higher because... You can start something, but it won't succeed without community. And so the barriers to building community are getting higher. And so quite frankly, we're looking at investing in you know, tokens or ecosystems that have resource, that have reputation and resource and, and participants. Uh, so you're gonna see some big names in the next six months uh, that you've all heard of moving into the token world or the blockchain world. And I think those projects are pretty interesting because they already have community and they have resource. Um, right now, it would be really hard to start a new blockchain to compete against the other 90. There are some people doing it. If you have enough reputation, if you have uh, you know, uh, enough expertise and a brilliant idea, you'll still get funding. So I think what what Novogratz is talking about here is something that uh, a lot of people have a hard time grasping when they first hear about Bitcoin. You know, you think about uh, any kind of blockchain. Oh, if it's open source, I can just go out and duplicate it, right? I can take the EOS mainnet and go and try and launch a new one. But it's not going to succeed whether the fifteen percent unlock is there or not. You're not going to have something succeed if you don't have a community behind it. And I think the way that Novogratz described why these things, why blockchains in general, why tokenization is so important, is that a token allows you to very quickly create a social network around anything. So whether it's a decentralized Facebook or an Uber or a Twitter, having this token e- economics, if you want to call it that, having that incentive model for people to participate and sort of take this um, uh, almost artificial ownership in the system is is a very powerful tool to actually build communities very very quickly. And it's something that I think we're going to see disrupt pretty much every major industry um, over the next few years. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's going to become apparent. I, I think this is the year, this year, next year, and the year after that we're really going to see uh, a lot of disruption. Yeah, a lot of disruption we've been waiting for and talking about for years. And it, it's it's not just because of ESIO, but it's it's definitely going to pour some gasoline on that fire. Oh yeah. Well, and I think now we're going to start to see. You know, once these developers get in there, they start building these EOS apps. We're going to see those mainstream news stories of. Oh, this decentralized Uber Duber, which is the example Novogratz gives, is now actually competing with Uber in these cities. This decentralized Airbnb is competing with this. And I think we're going to see people go after those kind of low-hanging fruit, so to speak, where mm-hmm. these concepts exist, they've proven demand, they can very easily target those existing drivers and existing riders and migrate them over. But then I think what I'm most excited about is seeing the new ideas, yeah. the, the new... Uh, entirely new concepts that will come from these business models that really weren't possible before. Adding this token layer and having it on a platform like EOS that actually allows you to scale and allows you to have a, a frictionless user experience is is just going to result in so many incredible ideas that we can't even comprehend yet. Uh, that, I think, is what I'm most excited about. 
So I think that's a good place to stop. We were uh, kind of interrupted here with the, the main and unlocking. So I have a lot of stuff I got to do. I got to run back. Uh, Rob's phone is literally buzzing like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of messages. The the entire Cyberglass team is so excited. Uh, infrastructure's on it. We're producing blocks. We're up. Um, but uh, I got to go make sure everything's running smoothly. So thank you all so much for tuning in. Please leave a comment. Leave a, a happy birthday EOS comment. Be a part of this historic moment. And uh, we'll see you next week. All right, guys. Uh, once again, I'm Zach Gall. I'm Rob Finch. And this is Everything EOS. ICO Alert maintains the only trusted comprehensive list of pre-ICOs and initial coin offerings. This Pittsburgh-based startup has grown to serve over 1 million users in less than a year. But how did it get started? Well, at first, the company was just an online tool for two brothers, Mike and Rob Finch, to keep a calendar of their favorite ICOs. After just a few months, the team has grown to over 14 team members and produced hundreds of ICO reports. These in-depth reports feature exclusive interviews and offer insight into past, active, and future ICOs. Head on over to ICOalert.com, meet the team, and use their game-changing My Portfolio function. Track your favorite blockchain projects. Become your own venture capitalist. Only at ICOalert.com.